I just got an espresso machine. <laughs> so for anybody who has seen or heard me talk, I have gone through so many phases of caffeine. And as I sip my espresso this morning, I feel like everything's going to unravel because it's so good. And anytime I have to suggest cutting caffeine for people, I feel terrible. Oh, I love straight espresso and it's like the coolest gift I've ever gotten. Thank you, Bradford. Today, we are going to give you some life espresso with an incredible talk with one of my favorites, Sean Croxton. Sean, I've listened to him forever. He is not only the podcaster of Underground Wellness, which you can still listen to, he turned that into Sean Croxton Sessions. So he went from health, wellness, functional medicine to more life books, um, digging deep into some knowledge bombs. He now has a quote of the day podcast that you can find. And then he also is the creator or co-creator of Just Eat Real Food Bar, Jerf Bar, which is awesome because you guys all know I'm out about eating real food. So check that out, SeanCroxton.com, JerfBar.com. He just is a fun person to talk to and really dig into things that I wanted to ask about transitions, about career, trusting your gut, about you know when to know it's time to move on from something. I think that's the coolest thing is, you know, picking someone's brain that's also a creative entrepreneur and seeing why he shifted from the health space to more of life and what he's kind of working on now. We talked, of course, about spirit animals because no episode is complete without spirit animals and just some really good high quality info. And I think you're going to love it. He definitely has a voice made for podcasts. So honored to have him on. Introducing Sean Craxton. <laughs> Sean, I don't know how you feel about being interviewed because for hundreds and hundreds of episodes, I've listened to you be the interviewer and now we're switching and it's just such a pleasure to have you on Meathead Hippie. Guys, this is Sean Craxton one of my favorite podcasters in the world. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Emily. You've listened to hundreds and hundreds of my podcasts. That's awesome. <laughs> well, you with your quote, of course, with your quote of the day, it's so funny because I hate doing dishes, but for some reason, your podcast is always the one I listen to when I'm like doing dishes and cleaning the house. So I associate you with my kitchen, which is a very nice. creepy, weird thing to say. Um, I'm, glad, I'm glad I can make things that suck be cooler. <laughs> yes. You just have such a great energy. You have great questions. And I, I'm curious, is it weird to be the one on the other, on the receiving side at all? No, no, not so much. You know, I get interviewed every, every so often. I, I tend to enjoy it. So it's cool. It just gives me a reason to, to bump my gums and say stuff. So it's all good. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, I'm excited just to talk, you know, and pick your brain. You started, I kind of want to throw back and jump right into it because you started as a personal trainer years and years ago. Mm -hmm. um, talk to me about how you decided or maybe not decided, but I, I too went through this process where I was a trainer. I love fitness, the whole meathead thing still into it. But there was a point where I would just kept hitting the same wall with clients where I knew there was something more. Um, I want to know the bridge that you had when you became personal trainer and then decided there's so much more to this. I want to get into functional medicine. Yeah. Well, well, well for me, here's the funny thing. 
I went to college partly to become a personal trainer. So like when I, I didn't have a major for a long time. So at some point I was like, well, I work out every day and I read fitness magazines all the time. Let's <laughs> study this kinesiology thing. And then the end goal is I'm going to become like a really amazing personal trainer. Like I didn't know that you can just go get a certification for some reason. <laughs> No freaking clue. But anyway, so I, I graduated from state. I uh, started personal training and, you know, maybe about three years deep, two or three years deep, it really started to bother me that my clients weren't getting the results that they should have been getting according to the food guide pyramid, uh, chronic cardio um education that I had gotten in school, you know, not that everything I learned in school and college was wrong, but a lot of it was. And so, you know, at some point I had to get to the point where I said, Hey, this isn't just my clients. This isn't just my clients cheating on their diets, not them cheating on their cardio and lying about things. There's something wrong with this program. And so, you know, I started to um, read books that were completely counter to what I learned in school, counter to what I've been telling people for years. And I started doing that stuff with myself, you know, things like eating real food. I remember I read The Paleo Diet by Dr. Lauren Cordain, and I was like, this makes so much sense. You just eat real food, you know, because at the time I kind of felt like I was trained to be a representative for the food industry, really like low fat, this low cholesterol, that uh, take the, um, the yolk out of your eggs and so on and so forth. And so, um, yeah, it did take a few years. And, you know, once I was able to experiment, experiment a bit on myself as well as my clients and, and learn that it worked so much better, uh, that's when I fully embraced it. Mm, love it. Would, did you personally feel, you know, whether we don't have to dig into it too much, but with your own evolve, like I always see you, your business has evolved so much and how you've grown and changed. And it's been really fun to watch even in the aftermath, kind of digging through and doing research. It's like for you personally, physically, have you always just felt really healthy? I would like, is there anything that you noticed pretty quickly when you started changing into that yeah, well, well, for me, it was mostly mood stuff. I'd mm. always been like so anxious and depressed. It would just kind of go back and forth. Very seldom did I feel like I was in a good mood. And so um, changing my diet, adding more fat to my diet, adding more meat, because, you know, I had shunned fat pretty much. Like I would go with the skinless this and the low fat that. And I just noticed that I felt felt better mentally. Like I was just talking to somebody about this other day. I've never had a like a serious health challenge, you know, knock on wood. I've never been super overweight. I mean, yeah, my weight does has fluctuated at times, but never at the point where I was like, oh my God, look at me, I'm obese. Um, but, but again, like mood stuff was certainly an issue and it definitely got better with eating real food. Isn't it crazy how quickly it can revert to if you have food that just your body's not used to, or you're not really, you know, aware of and all of a sudden you're like why am I so grumpy today <laughs> yeah. um I think it's so so powerful when people realize that anxiety can just be the food on your plate absolutely um so underground wellness so personal trainer when you started your podcast your first podcast underground wellness correct underground wellness radio yes underground wellness radio and what was it that made you say okay the I think that I am now that I could be the teacher. You obviously were already a coach and kind of intuitively someone that can explain things. But did you feel that switch where you were like, I want to give 
the world this. You were one of the first podcasters, I feel like, you know, yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> yeah, I started my first podcast in 2008. Um, there were hardly any of us, especially in the health mm-hmm. space. I think it was like me and Jimmy Moore. Um, I was also one of the first health-based or holistic health, actually probably the, the first health-based channel on YouTube in 2006, 2007. It was like me and Kevin Gianni and Dr. Mercola. And so I, I go mm-hmm. back a long way, but the YouTube channel actually came first. And, you know, when I learned about YouTube, I had been studying all this stuff, but I had nobody to talk about with it. Like nobody wanted to hear what I was saying. So I was like, Hey, I'm going to make a channel and just like talk about this crazy stuff that I'm reading in these books and break it down in a way that people can understand. And I did that for a long time. I mean, there's still lots of YouTube subscribers still coming in, even though I haven't made a video in years. Crazy. But at some point, you know, being the dude with the the janky camera with the weird headsets, you know, in his bedroom with his Yankees hat on to the side, talking about all these kind of like serious health matters in a kind of an entertaining way. I, I, I thought it'd be a really good idea to get some third party validation and to start interviewing the experts whose books I have been talking about on my YouTube channel. And so I remember somebody had interviewed me on blog talk radio. And, and one of the things that I used to want to be when I was a kid was like a radio DJ. And so I was like, so I was like super like attracted to having my own podcast, my own radio show. And so about six months after I was interviewed on Blog Talk Radio, I started my own Blog Talk Radio show. And uh, it just kind of became this platform for authors and speakers to come on the show and talk about their books that they didn't have before. And, um, you know, the, the plan worked because I did get that third party validation where people were were saying, okay, it's not just him talking about this, but there's other people talking about this as well. I mean, back in 2007, 2008, nobody was talking about grass fed meat. You know, nobody was talking Mm -hmm. about free range. Nobody was talking about like cholesterol not being so bad for you. Nobody was really talking about saturated fat not being so bad for you. And so um, it was definitely just a great way to introduce this message to the public and to introduce these experts to the public as well. Hmm, I love it. And then I want to talk. So this is something that I think a lot of people don't really appreciate. The blog that you just wrote, Self-Sabotage, Seven Things I Wish I Knew Sooner. Mm -hmm. Um, I really appreciate your vulnerability that you just are putting it out there that I really wish, I'm going to read this part. It says, I wish someone would have told me that everything I'd been feeling was normal. The fear, the doubt, that seemingly unshakable sense of not being good enough, not smart enough, all perfectly normal. And I feel like, you know, initially when you're starting Underground Wells, and maybe this isn't true, but there was a big shift when you decided to do the Sean Croxton sessions and turn it. And I saw that happen. And I just was like, wow, he's really going for it. And I just thought that it was a really powerful way for you to say, okay, I have this great platform, but I'm not afraid to change it. And I would like to know if you were just scared shitless of doing something as big as changing it or producing new content, um, putting yourself out there in a new way how that, how you're willing to do that, or if that wasn't even a big deal. I, I wasn't super scared to do that. Um, I was ready to do that. If I would have continued mm. to be in the health space, um, I'd be very miserable right now. I just kind of, you know, Lisa Nichols says that passions have seasons and, and sometimes those seasons come to an end. And my season in the health space um, was probably over for about a year before I'd actually finished it. Yeah. And, um, yes, I mean, it was a, it was a multi-million dollar business, but I also knew if there's one person I believe in, Emily, it's myself. 
You know, like I, I know how yeah. to build a business online. I know how to interview people. I know how to get content out. I know how to write a really good email. I know how to build an email list. And so um, I have a hard time doing, as Gary Vaynerchuk would say, shit that I hate. And I'm not going to say that I, I hated being in the house space, but it certainly wasn't anything that just got me as motivated as it did before. I felt like I was reading the same book over and over again. I felt like, you know, when people would come on my my podcast, it was like they had their thing. And so, um, you know, if something's going on with you, the vitamin D expert says you have a vitamin D deficiency. And then the next week, somebody says you have adrenal fatigue. And then the next week, someone says you have gluten sensitivity. And the next week, someone says you have something else. And it just kind of, I started to wonder like, yes, I'm doing good out there. But at the same time, am I doing as much good as I think I am? Or am I just making people like afraid of food all the time? Because almost every week there's something new that we can't eat. It's like we're going to be on the no food diet at some point. And there is a lot of truth to, you know, this thing called the nocebo effect. Um, I think Alan Labinovich, I want to say his name is, wrote a book called The, the Gluten Lie. And that was a really eye-opening book for me because I had been a staunch, like, anti-gluten person. And when you really look at that nocebo effect and an individual has heard that gluten is bad for them over and over and over and over again, and it's going to cause all of these things, you kind of start to feel like, you know what? That gluten is making me feel bad. You know, oh, I just had some gluten. Oh, I do feel like my stomach hurts right now. And so, you know, it can be the opposite of the placebo effect. And so I was starting to wonder, like, am I making people just really paranoid? Am I helping people to become shut-ins where they don't even want to hang out with their friends anymore because the restaurant that they go to doesn't serve like organic this and organic that, you know? And so yeah. um, I just kind of had to, to, to move on from that. And like in hindsight, I feel like there's so much focus on disease and what's bad for you in the health space. And I think we got to shift that focus more to like a pro-health you know, it's like anti Monsanto, anti this, anti this, like, let's be like pro organic. Let's, let's be pro conscious. Um, you know, uh, I don't know what's the word conscious businesses that are actually trying to do good in the world instead of trying to be anti Monsanto all the time. And so yeah. I just, I just felt like I really needed to, to shift my attention. And at the same time, I just felt like that just wasn't my space anymore. My, you know, I, you can always tell a lot about somebody by like their library and the read and the books that they read. And, you know, for so long, it was just like books about health. And then over time, it was like less books about health, more books about personal development. And, you know, one thing that a lot of practitioners realize when they're in the health space is like, for most people, it's not just a diet and exercise problem. You know, and it's not just like a hormone and detox and this, that, and the other issue. It's like a behavior slash mindset issue. Like what's going on in their heads, what's going on in the mind. And so I really have a good time studying that because I feel like, you know, that's that true root cause stuff that we should be dealing with. Can a health practitioner do everything? Absolutely not. But I've chosen to move away from the food lab test stuff and kind of focus more on the mind than anything else. I am obsessed with everything you just said. I sometimes feel as a practitioner, you know, there's this balance and it's basically repeating this, but you, you know, we have this duty and this passion and this like extreme sense of responsibility we feel to enlighten people. We want to teach people and we are so excited about it. And then sometimes we see it switch with clients where it gives them a reason why they're sick. And so instead of being inspiring and feeling like, okay, you can, you can help 
this person changed their life around, I think a lot of times it can go the opposite way of like, oh, this is why I am the way I am. And it's the same positive versus negative outlook, like pro, pro organic versus anti Monsanto. It, it's like the same exact mind shift. And you were huge into meditation. Right before we hit record, you said you feel high because you've meditated twice already today, which I'm so impressed with. Yes. <laughs> um, talk to me about this. Is this something, have you always want have you always been into it did you try meditation and you were like oh wow this is it no well so so last year um my birthday is is next week i turned 40 next week which is crazy oh, right and, happy and, birthday oh, thank you very much <laughs> and so and so last year on my birthday i was like okay for this next year i'm gonna do stuff that i don't normally do so i used to just be like the bodybuilding weightlifting type of dude and i had no flexibility at all um had never really done meditation so i was like i'm gonna do yoga all year i'm gonna do like cardio and stuff i hardly ever did cardio and i'm going to meditate so i took a transcendental meditation course and so i've been meditating pretty consistently over the last year i, I have had little lapses here and there but for the last month or so i've been super diligent and disciplined about it and uh yeah i am like borderline stoned all day which is great <laughs> and like i'm way less reactive and i'm just way more conscious of like some of my unconscious behaviors and like like things that would trigger me and, and like like being on the road or something and somebody cuts me off or somebody's texting and I'm not paying attention to what they're doing it's affecting what i'm doing like usually i would kind of lose my shit a little bit but now i'm just mm -hmm. like all right man just be cool and i just keep going and it's just like, it's just a, a beautiful thing. I love meditation. I'll be doing this the rest of my life. I had my first kind of like mystical experience a couple of weeks ago when I was meditating. Like I was like, it's the light started to turn on in my head and I started freaking out and shit. Right. And like my, oh, I, my eyes started vibrating. It was crazy. So like now that I know what that looks like, like I'm waiting for it to happen again. So that way I can kind of like just sit there peacefully and surrender instead of going, Oh my God, I'm going to die right now. And so, um, <laughs> I, I think everybody needs to meditate. It's a, it's a game changer. And you know, it's, I remember when people used to talk to me about meditation, I'd be like, that's fucking weird. Pardon my French. Like that's weird. And, um, you know, in hindsight, I think I was the one being weird because mm. you must meditate. It's the greatest thing ever. And you know, most people, people say this, I can't, I can't wipe out my, my mind of thoughts. I keep thinking, I think too, you know, it's all good. Like everybody who meditates has thoughts that pop up. You just kind of, they might even get a little out of control from it. And then you just, you, you just come back and go, Oh, my bad. I'm meditating right now. And you just sweep them out the rain and you keep on going. And now like when, like, with transcendental meditation, you do two 20 minute sessions, like in the morning and then like in the evening or in the afternoon. I just happened to get two in before noon today because I'm so hooked on this stuff, right? And, and, and like before, five minutes would feel like an eternity. And now it's like I close my eyes and like a few seconds later, my alarm rings. I'm like, damn, that was 20 minutes? That's crazy. And so it's pretty cool that I can actually um, kind of get beyond time for a good 20 minutes and just exist. It's pretty cool. Do you think for you in the situation you're around, so the way that I've been able to like trick myself into meditation, because I am that person that really hates meditating as much as I try to do it and I'm working on it and I know it's a deeper issue than just, I don't like meditating. It's this whole, I don't want to be still kind of fear, but with you and your surroundings, I've been doing this trick of being in heat. So like 
I have this little sauna space, little canvas hut in my spare bedroom. Do you try to stay away from any stimuli so that you are just focused on nothing but breath or what, what tricks are helpful to you? Music, anything surrounding nature? Well, I, uh, well, number one with, with transcendental meditation, you say a mantra over and over again in your head. So you don't say it out loud. So you're putting your attention on your, your mantra. Um, but I go literally into my walk-in closet and I close the door and I like push them close to the side and I sit my butt down. It's super dark in there. And because like there's lots of windows in my home and some of the windows don't have covers. So the light comes in, can be a little distracting. And so, yeah, it's just I just go into a dark place. There's no music or anything like that. However, I did I kind of experimented with Dr. Joe Dispenza's uh, morning and evening meditations last week or the week before, whenever that was. And I liked it. It was the first time I'd ever done a meditation uh, listening to something. And it's pretty cool. Cause like for the first, I don't know, five to seven minutes, it kind of puts you through this hypnotic induction that kind of helps you to go a little bit deeper. So I kind of did a comparison. Like, did I like that better? Or did I, did I like uh transcendental better? I find I just kind of prefer transcendental. So I kind of went back to that, but you know, there's all kind of different meditations. So just try what works right for you. And then like, you know what the best thing is though, when you're med- what? right. And you're doing yoga on top of that. So I'll go to yoga like one o'clock or four o'clock yoga 1.5 over at core power yoga. And when I come out of that, like I probably shouldn't drive because I'm (laughs) super high. It is amazing. (laughs) It is so cool. I love it. It's like, it's like your brain's on ayahuasca, like the tremor in your eye and like the light thing. That sounds crazy. I never have had someone talk about, I mean, I guess maybe I just, didn't think it was possible for my brain to get to that point, but I, you're giving me hope about this meditation. I'm a, but you know what? I'm going to tell you one thing. There's one caveat here. I cheated. Uh-oh. Okay. So, and I'm not sure if the experiences that I have, I don't think, I'm not sure if everybody's going to have it. I hope you do. It may take you a little bit longer. So here's also what I did before I started transcendental meditation. I did maybe 15 to 20 sessions of neurofeedback and then I started Ah. meditation and then I did maybe another 15 to 20 neurofeedback. So the neurofeedback kind of taught me to slow down my brain waves and time to kind of get my brain waves in better synchrony. And so when I started meditation, like they say, you know, that really kind of blissed out feeling that you have during meditation, like over time, you start to experience that like during, during the normal day, like when you're just waking hours, right? Um, mm-hmm. I had that immediately. So literally after day one, like you go to like these four um, transcendental meditation classes and then they're like, how do you feel? And I was like, I feel high. I'm high all day. This is the most amazing thing in the world. And everybody's looking at me like, what are you doing? And I was like, yeah, but I kind of cheated because I do, I do, um, what do you call it? Neurofeedback as well. And they're like, oh yeah. Cause I mean, that's what it's all about. It's all about brain waves and like, you know, taking your beta waves down to the alpha state, then to the theta state. And that's where you really get into that amazing subconscious mind stuff. And so, yeah, I cheated. Tell me, Sorry. I want, no, 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 that's good. I'm so glad that you did neurofeedback because I have done that as well. I've had probably eight serious concussions. So for me, I was like fascinated by neurofeedback and I had a really interesting experience with it, it was, it almost, it's like, I think my brain has learned how to operate at a certain speed in order to survive because of the 
concussions I had. And it was almost this scary experience that it slowed me down to the point of not feeling like myself, which probably is a good thing. I think my adrenals would be happy about it, but I could not. Did, was it weird for you to slow down to that point? Did it ever feel like I'm, I'm not Sean right now? Yeah, it, it did. Um, it took a little bit of getting used to, and actually for maybe a week or two, I was like, do I even like this? I'm not sure if I like this. I, <laughs> yeah. I kind of want my brain to go back to the way it was before. Cause sometimes I was just way too chill. Um, but I've just kind of grown to accept it and I've just kind of surrendered and I just kind of, I prefer being more chill and less reactive than I used to be. Cause you know, I, I I'm not going to say I used to be, I don't know, maybe I was a little high strung. I don't know. I was always in a hurry. Like mm -hmm. I remember I had gone to neurofeedback sessions at this one place in Lakeside and they didn't really give me good instructions. They just had my brain hooked up to these things. And I was watching Goodwill hunting and that was it. And I was like, what do I don't really get? And then I watched some, <laughs> some, some things, um, some videos on YouTube about, and I was like, Oh, they didn't give me the right instructions. I'm going somewhere else. And so I went to this other lady, Linda on the Mesa and, um, I remember after the first session, I went to the store, um, Sprouts, and I'm just walking around. And usually when I'm in a store, I'm like, come on. Like, I'm thinking in my head, come on. Like, why are you leaving your cart right in the middle of the aisle? Like, there's people who have to go by. Like, seriously? Like, this is, is this your first time at the store? Seriously? Um, but I noticed that I was just really chill. And I was like, why am I so chill right now? And I was like, oh, I just got done with that neurofeedback thing. And so I just kind of kept going and I feel amazing. I highly recommend it. Yeah. I had, for my listeners, um, I have a video on this on my YouTube. Uh, she put me through a session and you guys can see what it looks like and on your head. And the, I had, did you have the vibrational toy? Did you have one of those things? No, I um, I just watched a screen with little animated birds. I mean, there was a bunch of games, <sighs> but I, I really like birds and the sounds of birds. And so, yeah, yeah. So, I so, so you haven't you haven't done any more of it? Are you, are you finished? No, I. You know, this is my question for you, and this is a big thing. What I was afraid of is that. I just did not, I feel like my brain, I call it brain on fire. And I know that's a great book and it's a negative term in the book. So it's a good, I try to, you know, re, re say it in a positive way. But when my brain's on fire, I, I'm very creative. And what my biggest fear was with doing those sessions is that I felt like I wasn't quite as creative or didn't know if I could tap into that creativity. There was some weird fear that I felt like if I slowed my brain down too much, I wouldn't be able to output what makes me me. Does that make sense? It does. That's interesting, like from a scientific perspective, because relaxation is what boosts creativity in the brain. Um, so that's interesting. Like I find that I'm actually more creative. Like I write better. Wow. I come up with better ideas now that I've done all this stuff. Um, I think I was creative before, but I think it's even enhanced it. Yeah. Maybe it's from this sense of, so just with my, you know, we definitely don't need to get into this, but I think my creativity has always been an output of survival, like in order to survive. And that's even at a young age of just stuff that I went through. I wonder if that's just the only way I know how to be creative is in a sense of, in a place of stress that it's, is way deep. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> You know, there's, you know, so like Dr. Joe Dispenza will say that survival is the complete opposite of creation. Like they're both like mm. two separate ends of a spectrum. So that's, that's interesting that you become more creative out of survival. Mm -hmm. I become more creative out of like chilling and just doing nothing and just hanging. And just I think, yeah. you know, one thing that really got me to do the neurofeedback, if anybody's wondering, is um, 
I'm, I'm sure most of your audience has heard of JJ Virgin. And JJ Virgin used to be pretty like intense all of the time. Like I kind of felt weird being around her, like, oh, this is just weird, too intense. And we went out to lunch or breakfast or brunch, whatever you call it, one day, and she was just so chill. And I was sitting there going, who the fuck is this? This is really strange. Who is this lady? <laughs> and I find out a couple of days later from my buddy, Michael Fishman, that JJ did that. I think it's called 40 Years of Zen, where you just do um, neurofeedback and you work on forgiveness and stuff. And I was like, yes. And I didn't want to pay whatever it costs for 40 Years of Zen. That's why I just did neurofeedback with, with Linda. But yeah, I, I, it definitely works. Yeah, I used to have crazy anxiety. Um, and I, it's actually improved a ton over the years, but I barely have any anxiety anymore. I'm pretty chill. I love that. And do you, do you continue to do it? Do you do maintenance checkups or do you try to stick like the 15 to 20 sessions? So the lady that does it here in Denver, Rachel, it was really fascinating. Her story, how I got into it because she was, um, a high schooler diagnosed bipolar and her, her parents were like, you have to try this neurofeedback. It's our last resort and basically reverse that diagnosis. And so it was, I was like, what, you can do that. And so that's how I got into it, but she had to do it really consistent sessions. Do you ever go back and do kind of maintenance work or is it all in or all out? I have not done any maintenance. I'm certainly welcome to if I want to, but um, I think I'm doing pretty good right now with my meditation and my, my yoga. I'm good. Yeah, you sound great. I mean, this Thank is you. maybe too much info, but do you ever, have you gotten into the whole, I know that you've talked to probably, I actually, I don't know if I've heard you talk about this. Are you into hallucinogenics or into microdosing or ayahuasca? Have you ever done that? No, I have friends who do that stuff. I don't know. I don't really like the idea of like, vomiting and like pooing all over the place like i'm i'm good <laughs> that part just really turns me off like if it was really like sent by if it really just like was sent by god like i figure like whoever sent it to us and gave it to us like wouldn't give us that kind of side effects wouldn't be like here's this amazing thing to increase your spirituality but you're gonna shit all over the place i'll just <laughs> I don't know. Maybe one day I'm not dissing it by any means because I mean, people have amazing experiences and they, they reach these higher levels of consciousness. And I'm just simply not ready for that right now. I mean, it sounds like you're hitting it with just meditation in your walk-in closet. So I don't know if there's any need to tamper with yeah, that. There's no, there's no poo buckets or vomit buckets or anything in there. It's just clothes, awesome. clothes and shoes. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, I have a question for you that I've wanted to ask because I feel like you do a really good job of knowing when the time has come to end and move on or to start something new or to take a break. Um, I think I don't know what, why I feel that, but there's this kind of probably more for I'm a little jealous because you can you do a good job of saying, you know, I need to take a break from this. I am kind of tapped out. What are the feelings that you get or how do you trust that gut instinct that says like, it's time, it's time to either close the chapter or it's time to move to the next thing. We talked about it a little bit with getting out of the health space, but even with, um, you know, your podcast and kind of finding out the next step, you're okay with always saying I'm taking a step back. And is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm all about following my feelings. I'm all about okay, following so my intuition. Go ahead. Yeah. So how do you, and this is something I'm writing a lot about. I want to know for you, how you know, 
what your intuition's saying and have you always been in touch with it or has it just become this relationship that you've developed over the last few years or many years? Um, when do you know that you need to take a step back? Um, I don't know. I just listen to my intuition. Honestly, I don't really, it's not like super complicated to me. I'm just mm. more about like, does this feel right or does it not feel right? Is this not feeling the way that it used to feel? Why is it not feeling the way that, that it used to feel? Am I doing something differently or do I just not like doing this anymore? Um, that's, I've, I, you know, people ask me how I build my business and I say, yeah, there's, there's like strategic stuff and there's like know-how and all that. But at the same time, like I would say 75% of my business and the moves that I've made have been completely intuitive, you know, where I'm just like, mm -hmm. mm, nah, I don't really like that idea. That doesn't feel like me. That doesn't sound like me. That doesn't seem like something I want to do. And there's other things that come up and not only just like within myself and my imagination, but other people will present to me and I'll be like, that sounds dope. I really want to do that. And, you know, uh, I am the guy who says, like, do what you love. Like, life is too short. I'm about to be 40 years old next week. And it was just like a blink of an eye. It's crazy. And, you know, mm -hmm. before I know it, I'm going to be on my deathbed. And I never want to look back and go, you know what? You should have done that. Instead of staying in it because of, like, safety and security, you know, you really didn't want to do it. Like, instead of staying in it, you probably should have done something else, like done what you really loved. And, you know, there might be reincarnation. But as far as I know, I'm not sure. And if there is reincarnation, I'm not sure if I'm going to be um, presented with the same opportunities as I am in this life. So I'm going to go ahead and, and take advantage of them. And, you know, as I said earlier, like if there's anybody who I believe in, it's myself. Like, I, mm -hmm. I honestly feel like, you know, there are these like universal laws. And if you follow them, you know, and if you're like vibrating on a, on a higher level and you, you, you set a goal and you get that image in your head and you kind of like almost kind of let go a little bit actually a lot mm -hmm. of it and just have faith that it's all going to work out. Um, it works out. And I don't, I don't really try to control stuff all the time. I'm just like, Hey, here's what I want to do. Here's what I don't want to do. And you know, am I going to be homeless at some point? Probably not. Am I going to lose my house at some point? Probably not. You know, I'm going to be super unhappy at some point. Probably not. You know, I think I'm going to be okay and I'll be able to handle whatever comes. And that's, that's just kind of how I think. I just kind of put the trust in the universe that everything's going to work out okay. And, you know, as far as taking a break, I just know like when it's just time to take a time out, when I'm losing my creativity, when I'm starting to have some of these feelings, like, I'm, you know, I'm getting a little overworked right now. I'll just say time out. And there's been times where I've taken a very long three, four month hiatus from the podcast. And people go, how do you do that? And I go, you know, there's this show that I used to watch called Scandal. And I used to watch all 22 episodes. And then after the 22nd episode, um, it would go off the air for like four or five months. And do you know what would happen with episode one the next season? My ass would be sitting on the couch watching it. And so you can, people can wait. Like they don't, like sometimes we, we think like people need us all of the time. Like consistency is good, but you, they can wait. If it's, if it's good for your health and it's good for your creativity, they can wait. And some of them won't come back. But it's all good because the people who stick to you, those are your diehard raving fans who are counting the days until your next episode or your next piece of content. And so, you know, follow your feelings, follow your gut, follow your intuition. Um, it typically is right. Mm, yes, I love that. I think it's finding your tribe, right? We're so worried to please everybody, but we're, we're not pleasing our tribe. Like our tribe of people is what those people that give us the comments we need to hear on a bad day or whatever it is. They're the ones that 
are ready and able to listen. And I do think, I think the belief in self, it's like the more and more, this is just my opinion, but the more and more uh, trainers and nutritionists on social media that there are with way more voices in people's heads, it makes it harder for people to believe in self because they're being told everything um, constantly, this kind of constant feedback. I'd be curious to know with you, since you started before Instagram really was, I mean, it existed, but it wasn't really a thing. Is it really frustrating to see that on social media? What are your thoughts on social media? Um, I like social media, but I hate social media, but I like social media. We have a really um unhealthy relationship, but you know, it is what it is. Uh, social media, there's so many social media platforms these days and it's just so hard to manage at some point. I don't know why I haven't done this yet. I'm going to have to hire somebody to do it. You know what I mean? I guess to me, it feels like a little inauthentic for somebody to be replying to Instagram comments and it's not really me. And I know, you know, mm-hmm. most of us do that. It just, it just doesn't feel right. You know, people email mm-hmm. me sometimes, like, do you write your own emails? I'm like, yeah, I write my own emails. I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, I like doing it. It's fun. Um, it's just, it's just, how do I feel about social media? I like it, but I don't like it. I don't focus on it. Like I, I post on Instagram, you know, and I don't really have a huge Instagram following by any means. I just make sure that my quote of the day podcast goes up five days a week. You know, I make mm-hmm. sure that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I sit my butt down at 7 a.m. at the coffee shop and I write that day's email and just like brighten up somebody's day. Um, I make sure that when we do our mastermind sessions events that I'm just like on point. I know what we need to talk about. And in the rest of the time, really, I'm just studying. You know, um, I haven't really released a whole lot of products in the last two years. I haven't done a launch in, in two years, really. And so the last two years, I've just been studying, like reading book after book after book after book after book after book, connecting just dots all over the place. And, you know, through that study, I've been able to, I feel like I'm onto some stuff that nobody on the internet is really talking about, which is all going to be coming out next year. And so um, to answer your question, again, it's a love-hate with, with, with social media. I probably preferred the days when social media wasn't like so big, but you know, you got to adapt to the times. Yeah. You can't, you can't fight it. You know, (laughs) it's, it's what pays us sometimes. And also Mm -hmm. what, um, will always be our, I don't know, our, it's the love hate relationship. Like you said, I want to know about your quote of the day. How did you get into this? What was it that inspired this podcast? Um, was it a quote where you're like, God, I just, I really love this quote and I need to share it with people. It happened. Okay. So it happened twice. So one time it might've been three, four years ago, I was driving back down from the Bay area, rolling down the five freeway. And I was listening to Sirius XM radio in the car. And I was listening to like the comedy channel and there's like three or four comedy channels and they play five to 10 minute clips from comedy shows. And so I'm driving along and I'm thinking, I would listen to a channel that has all motivational talks. I would listen to that thing all day. And then, you know, I told a few friends about, it. I told Jim Quick and I think I told Drew Cannoli and a couple other guys. And they were like, dude, that's a really good idea. You should do that. And for some reason, I just kind of forgot about it. And then um, I was listening. I got really deep into Bob Proctor stuff. And I just started listening to all this Bob Proctor stuff, which led me to other people. And I was, if I had headphones on, I was listening to a motivational talk. And one day I was in the gym working out and I was like, why don't I just make that serious radio idea that I had into a podcast? And it's almost like a big duh moment where I was like, why didn't I think about that before? And I talked to a couple of friends about it and they were like, 
that's brilliant. No, they, they all, they all said that's genius. And mm-hmm. I was like, when, when four or five people, four or five smart people tell you that something's genius, you go ahead and do it. And so like literally the next week I had the show up and running and, um, it's just been, it's been great. Like people wake up every day and they listen oh, Monday through Friday and they listen to the quote of the day show and they, they so appreciate it and they leave, you know, tons of reviews and send tons of email about how much they appreciate it and how it's, it's changed, um, the way they look that they look at their lives has changed their level of consciousness. It's just made them more aware human beings. And it's just like their morning cup of coffee. It gets them going. And so I'm very proud of that. Very, 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 very simple show, simple idea. I love that. And you, it's so easy. I mean, I tend to get sucked into NPR in the morning um, if I'm not careful. And I have noticed how much it changes my mood. I can't even, there's no way it can be positive throughout the day when you start your day with coffee and current events, yeah. <laughs> it's not possible. <laughs> um, so yes, I think it's an incredible way to start. And I, it kind of makes me feel, you know, back to the word of your it's, I don't know if this is your tagline, but the word generosity is all over who you are and the site. And I would like to speak to that because I feel like, you know, when we're outputting, I do consider, I don't, do you consider yourself a creative entrepreneur? Oh, totally. Yeah. Okay, cool. So as a creative entrepreneur, some people get weird about this. And so I wanted to make sure I didn't label anybody. But when you are outputting, it really is an extension of who you are, right? It's your work, it's your interpretations, it's um, your voice. And I do feel like you're giving pieces of you to as many people who are willing to listen. And so it's this generosity. I love that word that you use. And I don't know if you could expand on that, um, but I would love to hear your thoughts on how, for my listeners, how they can become, whether they're a creative entrepreneur or not, how generosity can really shape who they are, or at least help them live happier lives of giving who they are and being more open. What are your thoughts? Like when you think or hear me say generosity, what, what is your, where does your mind go? Generosity is huge. I am all about giving. It's it's really interesting when an entrepreneur, I, I do, you know, a little bit of consulting here and there with online entrepreneurs. We have this mastermind session thing that we do every couple of months where, you know, six to eight entrepreneurs come to San Diego and we teach them how to build online businesses. And, you know, when they say to me, I got my website up, I'm not getting any clients. I'm not getting any business. I don't get it. The first thing that I'm going to ask is, okay, what are you giving? And it doesn't make sense to them at first. They go, well, what do you mean? I mean, I'm giving this service. Da-da-da-da. I've got a sales page up. I'm like, no, like, how, what are you giving? How are you making anybody's life better right now? And it's like biblical. Like you reap what you sow. What you put in, you, you get out. At my uh, most recent B-School Mastermind uh, workshop, I showed them a video. And the video was like basically how your business works. If you're a creative entrepreneur or a conscious entrepreneur or a heart-centered entrepreneur, or you're just an entrepreneur, period, and you try to skip this step, you will fail. Or you're going to have very short-term success, or you're going to make money. You're not going to feel very, very fulfilled about anything. Okay? So it sucks to have money and not feel happy. So here's the thing. An old school pump, like that pumps water out of a well. Have you ever used one? Oh my gosh. I feel like when I was six, maybe. 
Okay. I've never used one in my life. So I had to go to YouTube to see how this thing works. Right. <laughs> so there's a YouTube video and it's a guy, he's got a pump and he's trying to pump water out of a well and he's pumping the hell out of it and no water is coming out. So what did he have to do? He had to go get his hose and pour water in to the pump. And then he pumps and you know what happens? The water starts gushing out. And that's exactly not just how your business works, but that's how your life works. You get what you put in. If you don't give, you're not going to get. It is really that simple. Mm. And, you know, people talk about haves and have nots. You know, in my world, in my perception, my way of thinking, I don't really think that we have haves and have nots. I think we have gives and give nots. I think we have people out there who just want to get all the time and want to have all the time, but they're not really to be the giving type of person who gets stuff. And here's the thing. And I know somebody's out there going, well, it kind of sounds like a trade. It kind of sounds like you want us to give just so we can get back. That sounds kind of selfish, Sean. No. And that's not the point. The point is that you give because that's who you are. You give without an expectation to get anything in return, but like the universe or God or the aliens or whoever it is just says, you know what? That person's a real giver. That person's real generous. So I'm going to hook them up. <laughs> my friends who have a lot, my friends who have successful businesses, they're all givers, big time givers, super generous. They give their time. They give their money. They give themselves they give tons and tons of service. They're putting up all kind of content online, you know, just to go out there and help people solve their problems. So if you want to focus on getting, I can pretty much promise you that your business will never work out long term. It may be short term, but it won't be long term. You will have no longevity until you become a giver. Again, that's not just in your business. That's just in life. And it's so important to want to give without, you know, I think so many people are like, oh, if I give, then I will become successful. And it's this whole ulterior motive. Your motives just keep them pure and keep them real. Because if you're trying to give if you're trying to output information, but your motive is to make more money, I think even then it can go awry, right? We're, we're not really being true. We're just kind of <laughs> trying to suck people in is which is what I see all the time. Well, I mean, I mean, money is always going to be part of it. Like money is mm -hmm. like the measuring stick with our businesses. Like how many followers do we have? How many people are on our email list? How much money are we making? It is a good sign of how much service we're putting out there, how much impact we're having, how many people we're, 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 we're helping. So I don't have a problem with the, the money side of things. You know, the money's great because, you know, money allows us to do really cool stuff in the world. You know, you can build schools, you can hire people, you can um, help your family, you can do all kinds of stuff with money. I've, I've done amazing things with my money, like non-selfish things with my money. But, but I've always been, I don't know if I was just born this way or like in eighth grade, I won the service award you know, at the high school assembly or whatever it was. Like I've always been that way. I've always been a big tipper. Even when I was, I couldn't afford it. I was like 12 years old and I had a $20 allowance and I ate somewhere for five bucks. I would leave a tip for four. I don't know. I just kind of had this thing about like, hey, if you put it out, it always comes back. And when you don't put it out, you're kind of like coming from a place of scarcity. Like there's not enough to go around or if I put it out there or if I give it, it's never going to come back. No, it doesn't work that way. The more you give, the, it just comes back tenfold. It's just a trip how it works when you have faith 
in this like universal system. But when you start holding back, um, it doesn't really work so well. You kind of stop the flow. I agree with that. It's almost, I almost feel like I've always seen it as a thing of empathy. And it's like probably why you're initially drawn to being a personal trainer. This like, I can help, I can connect. You've just always been a people person. And when people have that, it, it doesn't mean they have to be a waitress or a waiter to understand that, you know, tips are their livelihood. It's just, you see somebody working and you appreciate it and you want to acknowledge that. And it's just a really, it's a cool thing. I love good tippers I, <laughs> for sure. Um, what, what, what you appreciate appreciates, you know, what you're grateful for, you get more of. That's just the way it works. Yeah. It's the universe is so rad. I, a word that keeps coming up for me and kind of the last piece of this is focus. When you talk about focus with you know, the mastermind sessions that you do or with even yourself or kind of where you're directed to, um, or where your business is going, your thoughts on focus. Do you really feel that there should be always just one project at a time or one piece that all your energy should be going into if you are a creative entrepreneur, or even if you're on a mission to change your body or body composition? Um, talk to me about focus and how I know that's a big topic for you and how you've seen that change people when they dial in, whether yeah. it's business or body. No more than two for me, mm. mostly no more than one, but you know, we have like the jerk bar going on. So I'm working on a project and I'm like, Oh, I gotta go do some jerk bar stuff as well. But I, I, I like one or two because you know, what we find with especially entrepreneurs is we have that entrepreneurial ADHD thing. That's just kind of how most of us work. There's no way to cure it. There's only a way to manage it. Right. <laughs> and no, no, it's just, seriously, you can so only true. manage that. that that's that's because you're always going to get ideas. We're just creative people. But we, we very often get scattered and we're very often have like 10 different ideas swirling around our heads. When at first we were just focusing on one, then we get another, then we get another, then we get another. And what happens is the brain kind of starts running in 10 different directions at the same time. And when you're running in more than one direction at the same time, you tend to not go anywhere. And so we have to stop being so scattered and you have to commit yourself to that one or to that two. But if it's any more than that, you're probably not going to make any progress on it. It's almost like reading five books at the same time you hardly ever finish one of them. You just, mm -hmm. it's like, damn, I could never, I never get the feeling of, of finishing any of them. It's like, yeah, because there's only so much time in the day and you're reading five books at the same time and you're just not going to finish. It's going to be the same five books on your nightstand at the end of the year. That's just how it is. And so um, what can be very challenging for people is making a decision. You know, we live in a world these days where you give somebody a menu at a, at a, at a restaurant and it takes them 15 minutes to decide what they want to eat. It's crazy. And so we have to get better at just saying, okay, this is my decision and I'm going to stick to it. And there's like a, a book that's on my on deck circle. I read a lot of books called decision power. And I really want to start, start helping people to get better at making decisions. And, you know, the, the word decide comes from the Latin word decidir, I want to say it is, which means to cut off. And so you have to make a decision. And when you make that decision, you have to be willing to cut yourself off from all of those other things and to stop letting your mind become so fascinated with all of these other things that it's trying to dabble in. Because when you're trying to dabble in 10 different things, you're never going to get the one done. And so like that's that's something big, especially with entrepreneurs. I am full of ideas. I got ideas all day. I'll probably come up with two today, today. But here's my thing. I go all right, that's a really good idea. 
how can I, how, how is what I'm doing right now going to put me in a good position to launch that idea the way that I want to launch it? So I've got ideas for 2018. Okay. You know, summer of 2018, uh, we got this, this camp idea. Oh, it'll be perfect. Oh yeah. 2018 quote of the day show live, live, um, live events. Yeah. The, the audience will be there by about, you know, early to late, um, 2018, we can start promoting those events. And so, I mean, I've got a list of ideas that all have dates that go out to like 2020. Now, some of those ideas at some point might get scratched off the list and replaced with another, but I'm not trying to do them all right now. Now is now, now is the one, now is the two, but it's not all the others. I love that. And when you talk with your um, mastermind sessions with people, how do you, you get them to, okay, so we could plan in the future, but if we have one or two that we're focusing on, how do we know that when it's time for them with you, I think you have such a good sense of self and that gut instinct for somebody that's more, you know, creative and pushing out content. And that's just kind of what their job is right now. How do they know, okay, now is time for me to move to the next? Is there even an answer for that? It's usually just a feeling. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had people at mastermind sessions who are maybe running a health business right now and they're working with nutrition clients and, you know, you can, they kind of feel like they're getting toward the end. And so, you know, they'll talk about that and then they'll start talking about something else and you'll see their body language change. You'll see their eyes brighten up. You'll see a little, you know, the creases on their, their, their mouth start to turn up a little bit and everybody in the room can go, yeah, you got to do that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's your thing right there because your whole shit just changed when you started talking about that. So, you know, listen to your feelings, um, pay attention just to the way that you're holding your body. You know, does it really, does it really bring you alive when you talk about that idea and, you know, has an idea that you're working on right now, has it run its course? And are you willing to move on from that at this point? And so, I mean, that's probably the best answer that I can give you, but it's mostly just about feelings. Hmm. That's good. That's good advice for sure. And I think it applies to not just entrepreneurs, but people, I have so many people are like, I want to get really strong and also run a marathon and also have jacked abs. <laughs> it's like you just dial in whatever it is. I think all of us can do that. We are a culture of ADD. So which one, which one fires you up the most? You just have to ask that question because that's where you're going to have the least resistance. And so when you're fired up, you're like, Oh, let's just go ahead and do it. You, you don't have to look for outside motivation. You just kind of just get up and go. I don't need outside motivation to meditate every morning. I don't need outside med meditation to write on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Like I don't need outside motivation to go to yoga. Like I don't need that. And so it's just all about how it makes me feel just tapping into those feelings the least path of re least resistance. That was good. I like that. It doesn't always have to be hard if it lights you up. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a great point. I have a question for you before we close out. Um, I don't know if anyone's asked you this before, but I always ask my guests this just because I love asking this question. Um, do you know what your spirit animal is? Hawks. An ox? Hawk. Oh, no, not an ox. A hawk. A hawk. H-A-W-K. Oh, that's a I, <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love hawks. Um, someone, uh, oh, shoot, why am I forgetting her name right now? Um, she made me, Tanya Castile, she has an Instagram page. She actually sent me a painting of uh, a hawk. It's like literally right next to me. I love hawks. I live on a canyon, and so I see hawks all the time, and I just love to watch them. Now, check this out. So do you know who Pam Grout is? No, I don't. Uh, e squared, thank and grow rich. Oh, anyway, yeah. So she's yeah, in yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So 
I was reading her book and in her book, like she talks about totems and looking for signs and things like that and like choosing a sign. And um, I was, I was thinking about that while I was reading and I was like, you know what sign that I want? I want a hawk to land right outside of my window. Like that's going to be the sign from the universe. Like everything's okay. And I've got your back and I'm listening to you, Sean. And so fast forward about a month and I am interviewing Pam. And the first thing Pam says to me is this, Sean, this is so weird. I go, what? She's like, there's a hawk right outside of my window. And I was like, get out of here. I was like, because guess what? And I told her, she was like, that's crazy. And the hawk literally stayed there for our entire interview. I'm not sure how long uh, she'd been living at that house, but she was like, yo, this hawk is not moving. This is, this is nuts. Now, fast forward a year and I kind of had an iffy month, maybe about a month ago, I was dating somebody and it just didn't really feel right. And I just, it was just kind of stretching, stressing me out a little bit. And so I decided, okay, it's time to go ahead and end this thing. So I ended the thing. And the next day I walk into my living room and I look over to the railing on the deck outside my house and there's a hawk staring at me. Oh my it God. was crane. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm just like, what is going on right now? Oh, and for the so next cool. five days, that hawk just landed right there on the railing and we made some eye contact and then it would turn, bend its knees and fly away. Oh, I'm obsessed Crazy. with it. <laughs> can, I tell you, can I tell you another crazy thing? Did yes. you read my email about the number 23? I'm not sure if not, but anyway, so check this out. So, um, I go to my high school tuition assistance dinner every year for the last three years. I used to get tuition assistance when I was a, a, um, a, a student in a private school. So they pretty much paid for all my tuition. And so I go to the dinner every year and I make my contribution because I want to pay it back. Now, um, the first year I was there, I told my story. Second year I was there. Um, I didn't speak, but I entered the raffle for a trip to Maui, right? And for some reason, all day, I knew I was going to win the trip to Maui. It was crazy. <laughs> and so it came time to draw the winner. And I knew it. I sat there. I was like, they're going to say number 30. And I did my Bob Proctor thing. I closed my eyes and I imagined myself like on a beach in Maui. I felt the sun on my face, all that stuff. And they pull number 30. <laughs> I was like, boom, I won. Right. So. Fast forward to July, it's my time to go to Maui. I'm like, nah, I don't really feel like going. I honestly, just like, I just wanted to sit home and read books. For some reason, I want, didn't want to be in Maui. So I sent my mom and I sent my aunt and they had a really good time. So we just had the tuition assistance dinner again two weekends ago. Now I'm in charge of the auction. I'm the auctioneer. So they do like a paddle raise at different levels, 10,000, 7,500, so on and so forth. So I do that. Now it comes time for the raffle, Okay. They give me this big ass bowl full of raffle tickets. And I turned to the student speaker and I was like, Ozzy, pull the number. She pulls the number. I go, and the winner is, I put the microphone up to her face. She says, number 23. And nobody stands up. I'm like, what's going on here? And so I reach into my jacket pocket. And do you know what number is right on the top? Number 23. Now, there's a couple of really interesting things about this. Number one is that the number 23 is my favorite number of all time. It's Michael Jordan's number. Mm -hmm. If I play basketball and the number 23 was available, I always wore 23. 23 is in all of my passwords and pens somewhere in there, right? And I was doing the Dr. Dispenza morning and evening meditations um, a few days prior to going to this dinner. 
And so Dr. Dispenza in the morning meditation says, ask the universe for a sign that it hears you. And literally three (laughs) days later, I went a trip to Maui for the second year in a row with my favorite number. Isn't that crazy? You were supposed to go. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) wild. It is so wild, like the things that happen to me. So when people say to me like, oh, you're that universe stuff, man, it doesn't work. That's that crazy woo-woo stuff. Yo, it is real. It's so real. I've had so many. It's it's okay to ask for the universe to show you some signs because they will just start screaming into your life and it's amazing when it happens <laughs> oh i love it well you are a hawk i love that's my favorite question because some people know and some people have no clue and i just appreciate those people that know so What's much yours? i am a hummingbird oh so yeah also, yeah so i'm also a bird i have a little bit of dragon as well so i always say people can be at least two but um mostly hummingbird i'm kind of like you know, the, it makes sense for an entrepreneur a little bit all over the place. I don't like to sit still. Hence why meditation Mm -hmm. is quite impossible for me, but I'm going to work on it. (laughs) That is so funny that you said hummingbird, because that's my second, second favorite animal. I have a hummingbird feeder, like right outside of my door Ah. here. And the hummingbird feeder has been out and sometimes it gets a little messy, like filling it back up. And so I've been kind of putting it off. But now that you said hummingbird, the, what I'm going to do as soon as we get off the phone here is I'm going to fill up my hummingbird feeder. So oh. I feel bad because I see them come up and they'll like, they'll try to get some out and they, they kind of look at it and they go, oh shit, this thing is empty, you know, and then they take off. So I feel kind of bad, you know? You got to feed me, Sean. Come on. <laughs> I'm I'm hungry. That's awesome. You're, you're like a messenger for my hummingbirds. I like, am. Oh, I'm, I'm looking feeder, out, dude. I'm looking out for those birds over there. <laughs> I love it. Well, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on. I just am so honored to have you. And I know my guests, seriously, they're going to love you. And they, the best place to find almost all of your stuff is your website, probably seancroxton.com. You can sign up for his newsletter. You can get a download right away. You can see the quote of the day, Sean Croxton sessions. Is there anywhere else that you want them to go? Uh, check out the Jerf Bar, jerfbar.com. Yeah, um, tell also- me about that really fast. We got a uh, all whole food, organic, gluten-free, soy-free, dairy-free, non-GMO, uh, delicious bar over at jerkbar.com. And um, they're also on Amazon, Amazon Prime right now. They just happened in the last few days. And so, yeah, we're really excited Congrats. about them. They've been selling really well. And so we're looking forward to getting out there in retail very soon and uh, just kind of blowing up this whole Jerf Just Eat Real Food brand. Oh, I love it. J-E-R-F, Just Eat Real Food. I will make sure we plug all of this into the notes. And again, thank you for coming on. This is a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much.